welcome to the latest episode of an espresso shot of confidence the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence challenges taboos and unhelpful narratives and empowers you to be awesome loudly and proudly it's time to grab yourself a drink i've got a nice mug of coffee here and settle in for the next 30 or so minutes i'm your host the master of awesomeness and today we will be talking about confidence and changing narratives. So let's take a trip down memory lane. There was once a time where people would have a job for life. You would finish school, graduate, whatever, and get a job and you would scale the ladder until you retired and then you'd do your thing. Now, that's simply not the case anymore with changes in society um, the impacts of the pandemic remote working downsizing automation having a major impact on how we go about our work and the choices we're making as well <clears throat> this has changed the world of work and how people perceive themselves within that it's now common for people to have multiple different careers over the course of their life cycle life cycle that sounds very business lifetime over their lifetime oh my life just thinking about myself i've had multiple careers since i first got my first paid job as a paper boy delivering the local newspaper Oh man, it was basically slave labor. I mean, I remember getting paid virtually nothing for that, but it was a good introduction, good introduction to the world of work, gave me some pocket money to do, to buy my fledgling record collection. That's pretty much where most of that money went. I then moved into hospitality and this was something that I kept doing throughout university and slowly got into management roles and proceeded to do that for a good portion of my uh, 20s um, when at the age of 27 I just had enough and I jumped on a plane quit my career in hospitality and moved into education which I proceeded to stay in for about 15 years before moving into the coaching and marketing space that I currently exist within for me on a personal level i always kind of got bored of doing the same thing going through the motions it was something that used to drive me nuts and i'd get to a point usually around the three to five year mark where i'd be like right that's me done time to go and look for something else but the one thing that i have noticed over the years and, and i certainly did it when i was in those job cycles is this one thread that just keeps on showing up time and time and time and time again in employment, in the coaching space, and how people get caught up in their own narratives. Let's just take the example of work, for example. We can look at this from the perspective of an employed role or self-employed role as a business owner. 
And I've noticed, and I know I certainly was guilty of this, and it's something I've had to do a lot of inner work on, is how much self-worth people attach to their role. When everything is great within that role, everything, oh, brilliant, life is amazing, I'm on top of the world. When things are not so great in in their role, within their business, they're a disaster of a human being. And I I used to think, certainly on the self-employed route, that this was something that was true to only me. But I've spoken to a lot of business owners about this, about how when business is good, they feel great. They're in total control of their lives and they feel amazing. But when it's not so great, panic stations. Another thing that I noticed is how much a job title defines who people are. We attach this status in society to having a certain role that increases our sense of importance or belief in who we are. And when you remove that, (sighs) chaos, who am I? What am I all about? Where am I going in life? It all gets very existential. But the thing is, it's a job. It's a job. But we attach so much to that job, to that business, to that role. And I think it's quite easy to lose who you are within that sometimes. And another thing that that used to amuse me a little bit when, when I was in paid employment was the narrative about how indispensable people believe they are to a company, how they build this story around themselves that the company couldn't possibly exist without them. That the work that they do is so fundamentally important to the existence of the company. And, and I've worked in some big companies where I heard people saying this. And I think even certainly when I was younger, I, I think I would have probably been guilty of saying this as well, that like, oh, well, the only reason this hotel works so well was because of my systems, my processes. That was a bunch of nonsense. That was my ego talking. And again, that's just this self-worth. We we attach this self-worth to these these roles and these job titles and to these companies. And ultimately... In, in the corporate sphere and life has definitely taught this in recent years a lot of people have had to get intimately acquainted with the fact that they were ultimately just a resource and a number as the companies had to cut back on on their wage bills on their on their uh, costs because of the impacts of the pandemic and things like the brexit things like that as a result of that, if you've been telling yourself this story for ages and ages and ages that you're indispensable to that company, that's going to send you into chaos. And chaos is exactly where where the world has been for the past couple of years after the pandemic. We have been in this huge, huge, huge state of chaos. The world was, or certainly the human world, was thrown into a state of chaos because the way that we lived our lives, the way that we went about our work 
the way that we perceive the way that we normally did things, all of it was gone, finished over. We had to adapt to a completely new dynamic. And we're still doing that now. I was talking just the other week about how AI is coming online with all these various services that could conceivably render certain job roles obsolete. But again, that's a narrative in itself. The fact that we are, humans are creating these services to improve the lives of humans. Um, but the existing narrative is, well, it's man versus machine, human versus machine, woman versus machine, insert the title you want to put in there. But the existing narrative there is it's human machine. It's either or it can't possibly be both. And, and that black and white thinking creates, again, the potential for chaos because it's like, well, I'm a copywriter. I'm this, I'm that. People pay me the work, right? I've got personality. I've got all of this. And this is very, very true. But it can also establish tunnel vision that, well, that machine's against me. Is it that machine is going all Terminator on you? I, I'm not sure. But when we get stuck in this narrative, it's so easy not to see the bigger picture. You know, just for example, just today, I put um, a previous podcast through a AI editing software. Saved a load of time. Um, is it perfect? No. Have I had to go in and edit and play around with it? Yes. Could it be a very useful tool for me? Yes. Would it necessarily replace a editor as such? No, I don't think so. Because there were certain things about it that I didn't like, certain edits I didn't like, certain narratives it homed in on that I didn't like that I thought, well, no, that's not the main point, that you've homed in on the intro and the outro of podcast that nobody wants to watch that. We want to get, want to, get to the main points. So by talking to a human, I could have had that input with that and said, right, can you emphasize this, 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 and this point and really make it super concise? Don't get that in point when you're talking to a machine. But I digress. Narratives. So <laughs> back to the employment narrative. The job roles, the self-worth, the attachment. Pandemic, change of the work practices, AI, machines, all of that stuff has had a major impact on the stories we tell ourselves. Now, for me, this creates opportunity. This creates opportunity. But as humans, we're kind of hardwired to resist change. Our ego doesn't like it. Our brain goes into overdrive because ultimately our brain, our organs are designed to keep us safe to keep us alive, to keep us functioning and changing and developing takes up more energy. So it's very easy to kind of get stuck in these 
limiting trains of thought where we will say things like, I can't change. I don't know what to do. I'm going nowhere in my life. I hate my job, but I've got to stay in it because I need the money. I'm not going to leave this partner because no one else will ever love me. So we end up staying stuck in situations that ultimately aren't serving us from a greater good. They, they're serving us on a, or at least we're perceiving it, that they're serving us, that they're keeping us safe. But the reality is it's keeping us stuck in a situation that maybe we don't want. But the good news is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that we all have the power to grow in so many amazing ways. Our brain is just this fascinating organ. And when I was in my education career, I studied a module on neuroscience. And one of the things it explored was how people learn. There's this common perception that it's easier for kids to learn than adults. Um, the kids can learn faster than adults. And, and this is true. But the narrative regarding that was that, well, I'm too old to learn. I can't do it because I'm too old. I'm too old to start something, which again is not true. Because if you are neurologically in a good condition, your brain can learn. You can learn new things. Like, for example, with languages. I didn't really start learning foreign languages until I was in my mid-30s. Like, really diving into it. And yes, progress is slow. But I'm learning. You know, if I was going to do the same thing. So say me and my niece, my five-year-old niece, were going to move to Spain. And we took classes at the same level. Now, there's no doubt that she would learn quicker than me because she would be more open to the language. Her brain is more kind of malleable, more like a sponge at that age. But it doesn't mean that I wouldn't still make progress because we've got this thing called neuroplasticity. Now, that means that our brain is constantly changing. It never stops changing as, as humans. We never stop changing. Our organs are regenerating. Our cells are changing. Our blood is changing. Every time we experience something new, we learn a new habit. We do something, we experience something new that is sending information into our brains. And let's just take the habit, for example, the more that we do something, the more that we do something that creates pathways, new pathways within the brain that help to automate certain processes. So say, for example, you're driving a car. When you drive a car, the first time you ain't got a bloody clue, but the more that you take lessons, the more that you start recognizing, okay, I need to do move this stick at this stage. I need to turn the wheel. I need to press this lever up at that point because I'm going to go left. And then it slowly becomes automatic. And it's the same with the language. The more that you start identifying patterns in the language, 
you speak it, you read it, you write it, it becomes internal because again, we're changing quite literally the makeup of our brain in that way. And we can do that in any area, in any area, we can challenge our narratives and learn to dance outside of our comfort zones. Let me share a story with you about this. I'm going to share a story about myself and, and other people that I worked with along the way. So it's January 2007. I'm living here in the UK. I've got a role in hospitality management. And I get called into the office one day. My area manager is there and she says, right, Ashley, I need to speak to you. Now, I just spent the last year or so firefighting in this one business. Everything that you can imagine could have gone wrong, <laughs> went wrong with that business. Everything, literally everything <laughs> went wrong. So I've rebuilt this business. I get things moving. I get things working. My boss calls me in and goes, right, Ashley. I'm like, yeah. I need you to take over a different restaurant. And I'm like, what? What would you mean I need to take over another restaurant? And I was like quite upset about it because I just got everything the way I wanted it. And I was looking forward to building it up to the next, taking it to the next level. And then the rug got pulled from underneath my feet. So this started a chain reaction. The decision had been made. I was in a position where I was like, well, no, I, I can't go and do another job. I had the narrative of, I can't do that. I've got to do this. I got to do that. So I let the situation control me but it set off this chain reaction. This chain reaction that eventually saw me quitting the job, quitting the industry, and in true Ashley style, quitting the country. Yep, I did. I, I literally decided that I wanted to become a teacher. Now, I've always enjoyed supporting people. I still do. I've always enjoyed coaching, mentoring, guiding people, helping people with their confidence and helping people to see things in themselves that they can't see or they refuse to see at that point. So I wanted to learn how to be a teacher. So the plan was that I would go do some teacher training. So I basically got signed up onto this program to take some initial teacher training and then go and work in a rural school in Thailand. So off I went, six month contract, boom, done, sorted. And there was just so much chaos around that. So much excitement, so much excitement. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is I was in a situation where I believed that I was a, a manager of a restaurant. That was my identity. I'd attach my identity to that. I then got stuck in a narrative where I believed I couldn't do anything else. I wasn't good enough to do anything else. I didn't believe that I could do anything else. So I 
got dealt a hand that I didn't want, but still saw it through because, well, what else was I going to do? And I'm glad that that thing happened because by being thrown into chaos, by having something I really enjoy taken away from me, that challenged my perception of who I was and what I wanted from life. The choice that I made after that, did that need to be so dramatic? I don't know. Maybe there would have been another solution at that time. But I was adamant that I needed adventure. I was adamant that I wanted to try something, that I wanted to push myself and believe in myself. So I backed myself and I got on that plane and got into the classroom. Now, we'd be... <laughs> We'd been sold on this idea that, yeah, the kids will love to see you. You're going to make so much difference in people's lives. Here's this system. It will work. It will work for whether you've got a classroom of 50, 100, 200, doesn't matter. It became apparent after about five seconds of the first class I ever did that that was a bunch of bullshit and <laughs> that my lesson plan wasn't very good and that I literally didn't have a clue what I was doing as a teacher. So I had to change the narrative pretty swift there um, because the narrative that I had been sold was not true. So I had an option. I could sink or swim. And a few of the people I was with sunk pretty quickly because they'd been basically sold on a nonsense narrative, really. And they weren't prepared for what, what happened. Luckily, I had the management career, so I was able to pivot pretty swift and go, okay, time to uh, go to the B plan. What What do you mean you haven't got a B plan, Ashley? Okay, we'll go to straight to Z plan. What's that? We'll figure it out as we go. And, <laughs> and figure it out, I did. Being able to change that narrative opened up all sorts of possibilities and exciting opportunities to travel to get to know people to experience different cultures to learn so much about myself and this opportunity is available to all of us we all have the opportunity to choose we all have the opportunity to challenge our narratives to say nah this is a bunch of bullshit i'm going to do something else i believe in more now, this isn't about lack. This is about believing in your potential, believing in your greatness, because we're all capable of greatness. We're all unique. We all have unique strengths, things that we bring to the table that benefit everybody around us. In my case, my management career helped other people with their transitions into the teaching. I was able to help them and do some brainstorming and, and all of that. And I grew as a person as well. And I was no longer Ash, the hospitality manager. I was Ash, the teacher. But I was also so much more than that. I, I began to see myself outside of that. I was a traveler. I was an explorer. I was a good friend. I was a mentor, a coach. Somebody that was good to have a laugh with in the office. Someone who liked to see the positive in situations that were sometimes bloody ridiculous. 
because this is the thing we are so much more than what we tell ourselves we are so much more but yet we, we often get caught in this very limiting beliefs of who we are and and i saw that like let me give you another example like during my teaching career um i spent a lot of time in thailand a lot of time working with professionals university students that were using english as a second a third a fourth a fifth a sixth some of them spoke seven bloody languages they, they knew so many i was always very inspired by them i think that's what pushed me to start exploring languages myself but again there was this narrative in the industry from students that well i'm not a native speaker or i should sound like this or i should sound like that or i want to be i want to have a british accent which always used to amuse me because i'd get out my phone or the computer whatever wherever we were and i'd play this list of british accents and go okay which one do you fancy because they'd been spun on this narrative that we all spoke like the uh, the king here in the uk yes we'll speak very 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 distinguishedly which if you've ever been to the uk you all know that is simply not the case um speak to a glaswegian a brummy a liverpudlian <laughs> someone from the west the southwest you yeah it could, couldn't be any further removed from uh, how king charles speaks so there were all these narratives about what it meant to be a english speaker in the professional world people would attach this narrative that if they did if they spoke in a certain way they wouldn't be deemed professional and i've seen that in the business world not just when people are using a different language i've also heard that regarding accents like nobody wants to hear my yorkshire accent says who who said that <laughs> but we end up in this narrative of like it's somehow deemed unprofessional so i used to sit in the classroom especially when i was working with a small group or one-to-one -one, and the students would open up to me they would say to me look ashley I'm just really worried about my English. I, I just feel that my English is really bad. I've got bad vocabulary. My accent isn't like a native speaker. I worry that my boss won't understand me, that I won't be able to get a job, that people won't be able to think I'm professional because I don't have a huge score in the TOEIC test. And it would go on. It would go on for like minutes. Minutes and minutes and minutes of, of the students reeling off all these problems about their English. And I'd sit be with them, I'd give them that space to kind of vent, to let that stuff out. And then I'd feed back to them and say to them, okay, so totally get it, what you're saying, that you feel that there's possibly limitations to what, what your level at the moment. There are things that you can do about some of those things, but I just want to illustrate one thing for you right now. You realize that for the last five minutes, you've been speaking in English, don't you? 
and you could just see this flicker, this spark go off, and it's like, yeah, yeah, have have a night, and this glimpse of a smile showing up on the corner of their faces, and I'd say to them, okay, you you've explained the problem. I understood. It's clear. And you did it all in English. And they'd be like, yeah. And I went, so is English really the problem here? And that would, that was it. Like bang, boom, light bulbs going off. Because they'd bought into this narrative of what it meant to be a English speaker. And their issue was their perception of their English and the confidence to speak up because they had attached all these narratives to the fact that, well, what happens if nobody understands me? What happens if people think this? So I said to them, so what happens if you're in a situation in a meeting and you see, you hear lots of problems being brought out and you know the solutions. You've got the solutions. You know in like two seconds you can make your boss happy, make your colleagues happy, make your customers happy. You've got a choice at that moment. You could speak up or not. Now, what do you think your boss wants you to do within the context of your job? Share my knowledge. For what reason does your boss want you to share your knowledge? Well, because it will make the job better. And if you solve a problem for your boss, what do you think your boss is going to be focusing on there? Your use of the present perfect or your ability to solve a problem? <laughs> Again, this really, really got them thinking because they were like, yeah, I need to be able to communicate my knowledge. Yes. And is anybody going to judge me on my accent or this? Well, no. If people understand your point that you're trying to get across, then you're good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Practice, practice, practice. Learn more vocabulary that makes it easier for you to describe that problem. That makes it easier for you to communicate. But if in that moment you don't have a certain word or don't have a certain expression or you ain't quite good with a certain pronunciation, work around it. Change the script. You are the expert in the room. People want you to speak up for that fact. They are not there to give you a mark out of 10 for your bloody English. It's all about changing the script, changing the narrative. So what we'd do is we'd work on some different things, some different situations, some different role plays in situations where they would normally have to speak up, work through them, work on the vocabulary, identify any potential problems with communication with their explanations. For example, how to make it more concise to the point, less complicated. And you could just see their confidence growing. 
And this all came from just changing the script, reframing it. And it's the same in business. In any area of business, whether you're marketing your business, whether you're thinking about going to a networking event for the first time, whether you're thinking about setting up a business, changing the script, changing the narrative, believing in yourself, thinking about what skills can I learn that will get me to the point I need to get to, that I want to get to, that I would love to get to, that I am destined to get to. In my everyday job, what I do is I work with coaches and business owners to get on video, to promote their businesses on social media, to do videos on their YouTube channels, on their websites, wherever it is that they want to have a visible presence. And usually there's a fear of how they'll look, how they'll be perceived. But that's not what their customers care about you know their accent their hair i don't care about that for example let me just put this to you you're trying to figure out how to fix a bicycle so you go on a youtube and like how do i fix my bicycle you find a video and it gives you a step-by-step -step guide on how to fix it what are you interested in as the viewer are you interested in the fact that the person who's delivering that's hairs all over the place? They got muck on their face. And I don't know, maybe that's one tooth at the front missing. Of course not. You couldn't give a toss about that. You care about the fact that they've helped you solve the bloody problem. And so it's all about changing that narrative. Yourself as the expert in the room with your knowledge, with your expertise, with everything that you can offer people and putting it out there. Because when you don't, when you sit on that, you're doing a disservice. So I always say to my clients that people want to hear from you the solution that you've got for their problem. And it all starts. Because I totally get how awkward it can feel when you get on camera. I totally get that. It, it takes practice. But much like when we learn a new skill with the brain, it takes that first step. And that first step is getting on camera, holding that camera up and just saying, hello. Hello, my name's Ashley. Nice weather, isn't it? Taking that first step and then another. So recording that first video saying who you are, what do you do? What have you got to offer? Then starting to solve problems with another video. Okay, today I'm going to talk about this problem. This is how you can solve it. Do you need any more help? Give me a call. And you can do that more and more and more and more and more. And the more that you do that, all of a sudden the narrative has changed from I can't do this to I am doing this to, oh, actually. I quite enjoy doing this. And the more and more you do it in anything, the narrative shifts. The narrative shifts and you start believing in yourself. And yes, as I talked about at the beginning, you can get stuck into that narrative of, okay, so I only ever do videos about fixing bicycles. 
But that's a choice. You can do that or you can do something else. You have that power to choose. You have that power to write your own script. So that brings us nicely headfirst into today's espresso shot of confidence. So right now, what I want you to do is grab pen, paper, for you more technologically savvy people out there, a tablet, a remarkable, and a pencil. And I want you to look at that blank sheet of paper in front of you. You have a blank canvas right there. It's your blank canvas. It is your story. It is your narrative. Feel a smile come up on your face. What are you going to write? And go for it. Because you've got this. It's your story, your narrative. You are awesome. You've got this. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening, watching, whatever it is you did. And that bring And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Wherever you please subscribe, wherever you're listening or watching this so that you get notifications of when the next episode lands. And as always, wherever you are in the world, don't forget to be awesome.